nuclear. Now is it crick or creek? Coyote or coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. Well, hey, Kathy. Hey, Ross. We are about to get going with this episode today. But first, we have some really exciting news from the two of you. What's going on? We have a new book that just came out. And it is not word related this time. It's I mean, it uses words. Does it has words in it? Because it's a book. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. It has many it has words. It has lots of words. <laughs> yeah, right. I think it has 100,000 words in it, actually. I think it can. Wow. Yeah. That, <laughs> that many? <laughs> We're prolix, aren't we? <laughs> Anyway, it's A History of the World Through Body Parts. The subtitle, which is rather long, but I'll read it anyway, is The Stories Behind the Organs, Appendages, Digits, and the Like, Attached to or Detached from Famous Bodies. But it's not as light as it sounds. Explain <laughs> no. <laughs> no, actually, that's actually true because, you know, there are a lot of times like whatever happened to Napoleon's, you know, whatever. This is not that type of book. This type of this book, actually, the basic idea is that when we look at history, we don't think of the bodies in history. We think of like, you know, Napoleon conquering, you know, Europe or Lenin conquering Russia. And we don't think that these people had bodies and their bodies had a role in history. And it began basically with a, a line from Pascal, the philosopher, who had said, Cleopatra's nose, had it been shorter, the whole face of the world would have changed. Now, we got like thinking, like, what's going on with Cleopatra's nose? What is it? Is it big? Is it small? Does it matter? And it turns out in a way it did matter. Cleopatra's nose, in terms of depictions, got bigger the closer she got to Rome and smaller the closer she got back to Egypt. In other words, there was a political aspect to Cleopatra's nose. <laughs> it just sounds so odd, but it's true. Because obviously the, the Italian noses, the Roman noses, larger was better, and the Egyptian noses, smaller was better. So, so there is a distinct, as Ross said, a political aspect to a simple thing on one's face. Is it pronounced proboscis? Proboscis. 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 I don't, actually, that's another. We should do a. Uh, I think it's proboscis, on, right? Because isn't there a monkey called a proboscis monkey? Yes, are those it's proboscis. Yeah. There is. It's proboscis. You say proboscis, I say proboscis. I guess. <laughs> but only only one of us is right in that case. <laughs> in this case, and it wasn't yes. me. <laughs> but also, we discovered in the book things that uh, certain body parts actually had real, real impact. For example, we did uh, Kaiser Wilhelm and um, his. In birth, his arm had been injured, and he blamed it on the British obstetrician, who was notoriously incompetent. And there's a fair amount of speculation that his anti-British uh, bias began with his anger at the Brits for for hurting his arm. And he was his mom was British, and her treatment of uh, his arm was just horrifying. They shot electric uh, charges through his arm as a toddler. Every two, every two, uh, every week, two times a week, he would. They would shove, this is scientific in those days, they would shove his arm into the newly killed hair, hoping that the life force of the hair would go into his arm. Now, to make a long story short, he got really bitter, and there is some thought that that bitterness, you know, went into World War I, helped cause World War I, which is kind of a big thing. 
We also use body parts as a launching pad, if you will, um, into the mores or customs of the time. I mean, we did like St. Cuthbert's fingernails. Um, and after he was dead, and it, his fingernails, he was getting regular manicures, if you will, in, the, in his uh, sarcophagus. And that was because of the whole notion of relics and uh, the business of relics in the Catholic Church. It's, it's a lot of uh, back and forth. There's a lot of connections that you wouldn't expect when you start with a body part and you end up somewhere completely different. Um, Ross wrote a thing about Alan Shepard and peeing in space, which ended up going backwards in time to how did knights pee and poop, which is like one of those things you don't oh, think yeah. about. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's there was someone who had a very unenviable job. I'll just leave it right there. <laughs> yeah, but even but going back from going back from the past, going back into the future or the far future, I was just finishing Expanse the other day, and I didn't realize number one that the importance of having gravity on your spaceship, because uh, I think it was John Glenn when he was in space, uh, when you pee, the the pee has to basically force itself down to the bottom via gravity and then it comes out but if you don't have that you your bladder fills to the point where it can it can basically either pop or create huge problems with incontinence so we didn't even think of the minor things like as we sort of go into space there's a lot with our bodies that's involved as well so back to the future and back to the and back to the past and that sums up the book a history of the world through body parts and now we need a segue into the next segment of our normal podcast. Well, I'm a little bit jealous, really, uh, of the fact that you guys uh, were able to look into all of this and, and, and write this book. Or, wait a minute, Fletcher, I have a question. Were you jealous or were you envious? <laughs> oh, my. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't, it doesn't really feel like a deadly sin to me, so I'm not going to go with envy. Um, but I'm oh. not, I'm not really Ooh. sure if, uh, you know, if, if there's. A difference. Ah, this was a perfect segue, and it was completely spontaneous. I think it was. <laughs> it was very candid. I, mean, I, like, I, don't I don't know how it happened. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, we happened to get an email from one of our regular listeners, Kelly, who said she had gotten the impression. I actually, she says exactly. I have the re- impression that recently, at least in American English, the distinction between jealousy and envy has begun to collapse. Traditionally, envy has meant wanting that which rightfully belongs to someone else, similar to how covet is used in many translations of the Ten Commandments, while jealousy describes a similar impulse, but in the opposite. We have very smart listeners, I just want to say this. A similar impulse, but in the opposite direction, the desire to protect one's own petition, blah, 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 blah. And then she was saying, what is the difference? She thinks that the, that the, the difference has been blurred. It's people use jealousy to cover everything now. Can you go back a minute? Because you kind of yada yada the rest of the jealousy part. I don't I don't understand the distinction she's making here. But I am one of these people who doesn't actually know the, the, that there is a difference or what mm-hmm. the difference is. She wrote, traditionally, envy has meant wanting that which rightfully belongs to someone else, similar to how covet is used. While jealousy describes a similar impulse and in the opposite direction, the desire to protect one's own possessions, property. This is interesting because I didn't read this carefully because now I'm realizing I'm going to say something different. Property, relationships, etc., from threat or encroachment by others. She was saying that she was um, saying that she did not learn this distinction until college or grad school. 
and she used both words and didn't really differentiate. Okay, here's the dictionary definition of the differences. Envy is basically used when you don't have something and you want it, okay? I'm envious of, of Fletcher's speaking voice, okay? But Fletcher is envious of our having written our book. <laughs> right. Jealousy is usually, first of all, it's usually used in romantic situations. And jealousy usually involves, basically, we, we did some research on this, very extensive research. And we read the authoritative handbook of sociology of emotions. And the basic difference they also thought was numerical. Jealousy, usually they said involves a menage a trois. Three people or three poles of people. That just fascinated me because I never thought of it that way, that, 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 that it's got to be three. The triangle It's the eternal triangle, you know, the love triangle. Yeah. So we're thinking about like Othello here, right? My romantic partner is possibly with someone else. Therefore, I am jealous. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I'm not envious because because she is my romantic partner. I, I'm not envious of something I don't have, but rather I'm um, trying to protect, at least emotionally, something that I that I do have. Correct. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Oh. Whereas envy is usually only two people. It's like you're envious of that, that, that you're envious of Ross's hair cut. Which is a really good haircut, I have to say. No one can see it, but it was a good haircut. <laughs> but no, that's exactly it. I don't really think this distinction is that important anymore. I don't think it's really that used. We found uh, the, a while back, the American Heritage, they did a survey and they found um, basically it's beginning to sort of switch. That It doesn't really matter that much. Although they said the distinction is still there. I mean, it's not gone. I don't, do you think it's a big deal though? I don't really think so. Not, not so much, but I do still see, now that, now that we say this, I do still see jealousy being used in that traditional way. Someone's talking about their boyfriend and they say, yeah, he's a really jealous person. That, that doesn't mean that he wants things that other people have. It means that he's uh, overbearing about um, that mm -hmm. what his romantic partner is doing, who they're talking to, that sort of thing, right? And they wouldn't say... Oh, yeah. I think we can sum it up. I think we can sum it up basically by saying you're jealous when you're fearing you're going to lose something. You're going to lose your girlfriend. You're going to lose yeah. your husband. Yeah. You're envious when someone has something that we want, you know, and in that sense, even in a romantic situation, I'm envious of, you know, Mr. So-and-so who has that wonderful girlfriend. In that sense, that's envious. That was Kelly's point in the email when she said that, like, the envy is more like covet and the jealousy is you want to protect what, you know, you're, you're, it's, you're jealously protecting this. It's mine. And I don't want. She's correct. I, yeah. That is true. But as you said, Ross, it's it's the line has blurred enough that using the word jealousy when you mean envy is I mean, it's so common now. It's not really a very big deal. Although when I think about it, it, it I'm just thinking this all think um, oddly enough, I don't think I would use them that in particularly incorrectly. Really? Cause I, 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 cause I don't. You, because I did. I did right at the very beginning of all this. I said, I'm jealous of the fact that you wrote this book. Now, you did. Would you, I mean, would you even think twice if you heard somebody say that? No, I would not. I exactly. But, I would not. But I must say, I think twice about when I do it. I, I think, honestly, I don't mind other people doing it, but I am actually, I hate to say it because you guys are both saying, well, you know, I'm a bit of a stickler personally hmm. with it. I, I am. I'm not, a, it's funny, I'm not an aware stickler, but I would have said I'm envious. 
in in, Fle- in with Fletcher's case. Mm. I think I unconsciously would have said envious. And that's the one really interesting thing a lot of times that we've, we've been talking about all along with language. A lot of times we follow rules and we have no idea that we're following them. Mm-hmm, and I've mm-hmm. just realized as we spoke that I would use envious and I think I would use the distinction, but I would not have been, been aware of it until we talked about it. And therefore, I feel somewhat abject. <laughs> now we're going to go. <laughs> we have to announce what we're doing. Fletcher's oh, school I is to in do session. A crude segue first, and we're going to go backtrack into what we're doing. <laughs> okay, let's do Ross a smooth segue. Wait, forget that I said anything. I am abject. <laughs> okay, yes. We are both I abject. <laughs> we both have abject sorrow. Okay. <laughs> Fletcher, we're going to do a quickie. Um, and now that school is beginning, and uh, people are starting to study their vocabulary, preparatory for a long time of um, the SATs coming up a long time ago when they take them. And we're going to see if Fletcher will get a good SAT score. We're going to start. It's been with... a long time, guys. It's been a long time. It has. <laughs> we're going to start with words in the A's. Okay. And this is going to be a recurring segment. We're going to go through the B's, the C's, all the way to, guess what? The last Zygote. <laughs> Z or Z. We talked about the British uh, yeah, last week. The ampersand. <laughs> yeah, ampersands as well. Okay, so Kathy, you want to start with the first word now that you're so abject? You might be shocked, Fletcher, but the first word is abject, <laughs> as opposed to object. I was going to say mm-hmm. that, now, Fletcher, we're object, say, object. Here's a sentence. He felt both abject joy and abject sorrow simultaneously. Fletcher, what's wrong with that sentence? I don't remember this being how the SATs work, you guys. (laughs) We're putting a little Petrus twist on it. (laughs) These are approved SATs. Okay, I, I will tell you what seems wrong with that sentence even though I I cannot tell you exactly what is, I can't tell you this is what's wrong because I don't know, but I'll tell you what seems wrong. Um, two things. I never hear abject when we're talking about something positive. So abject joy seems very wrong. The other thing is abject seems to be so singular, so so extreme that it doesn't seem that you could have both of those things at the same time. Fletcher, as usual, you were extremely intel. It was an extremely intelligent answer that was slightly wrong, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Abject basically means uh, it. Does, the common feeling a lot of times when people make the errors, I think it means extreme or ultra. It doesn't. It means hopeless. So hopeless oh. joy doesn't really make much sense unless you're writing. So some it is. Sort of... It's it's negative. You you can't put a positive word with abject. Right. You're right. But you could feel hopeless sorrow. Abject sorrow doesn't bother me. So I did get, I mean, I got the second half wrong. It's not extreme. It's hopeless. Yeah. But I, I mean, I think you would have, I, I would give you a, uh, whatever, it, whatever the SATs are now, an 800 or whatever. What are they now? What are they? I don't even I don't know, know anymore. Who knows? It was so much simpler back when I took it. I don't <laughs> yeah. even know what they're doing now. <laughs> um, one thing I want to say, though, there was a book out called Abject Joy and in fairness, that was like supposed to be a cleverly paradoxical title. So mm-hmm. theoretically, you could do abject joy, but I don't recommend it. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out a way to work that phrase into something I write and make it make sense. Uh, <laughs> that's my that's my goal. Sometime over the next, let's say six months. Okay, get that back to us with that. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna work that in. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, our next word, Fletcher, is aberration. And is this right or wrong? Correct or incorrect? Sentence, his face wore a look of aberration. No. Uh, it, he could have an aberrant look, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, an aberration is something outside the norm. Very perfect. Part... <laughs> yeah, okay. You're, you're doing good. You're, you're not being an aberration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the thing that got me with aberration, though, is, is exactly, because it is a deviation from the norm. I mean, and it comes from, this is Ross's uh, wheelhouse, is the whole Latin stuff. But it does literally mean ab, as we know, means away from. And um, I can't pronounce the, the latter part. Ross Errare. Thank Errare you. is the verb to wander. To, to roam, to go, you know, to stray. So it initially just meant wandering or straying, and then it became, over time, I think about by the 1700s, it started meaning deviation from the norm, which is mm-hmm. what you said. So you would have fit right in in the 1700s, Fletcher, mm-hmm. by using it that oh, way. Uh, which is what I've always wanted. <laughs> right, you look great in those clothes, let me tell you. I mean, I'd be, let's see, thinking about life expectancy, I would be dead already. <laughs> True. <laughs> okay, the next one, Fletcher, is abjure and mm. adjure. We have done this before, and I want to see if you're on this. Now, this is a, a from a book, The Rhetoric of Food. And they had, um, <laughs> Stepionic offers a code of vegan ethics. And he has, vegans are sensitive to issues of suffering. And vegans adjure violence. Is it abjure or abjure violence do vegans do? A-D-jure or A-B-jure? No, it's got to be A-B. Uh, but I, if just throwing these two words in front of me, I could not, absolutely not have told you what either one means. Okay, we're going to go back to the ad and ab that we had with uh, aberration. Ab in Latin always means go away from. Jure, you can guess what jure means, or jure means law. So you're moving away from the ruling or whatever. So abjure means to renounce. Right. So they abjure violence. Mm. Right. Adjure, ad, the Latin prefix ad means to go towards. So adjure means to earnestly request someone to do something. In this case, the book had a mistaken usage of the word. They had vegans adjure violence, which is incorrect, which means vegans earnestly want violence which i don't think vegans do maybe there's something i don't know about vegans (laughs) i've gotten a little tense here (laughs) all kidding aside though to go back to those two words i don't know what it is and i don't know how you feel there's something about these two words that bore me intensely do you know what i mean it's like i see either one of these words and i don't really want to read them do do you understand what i'm saying here i I agree they they have a they have a a notion to me i guess the jury part has a notion of a law a boring session of yeah uh, no i immediately get sort of like oh god i've got to go you know so sorry (laughs) yeah these words apparently both words apparently were i'm not sure now we don't know what the current sats are but apparently these two words were almost on virtually all sats and gmats until fairly recently i don't know Mm. and i hate them i would never use them do you ever i mean has either have either of you ever used them i wouldn't no like i said i i couldn't i mean i had i not had a sentence with context i couldn't have told you what they meant so no i certainly wouldn't be using them i do think if i had been taking the sats however many years ago that was and i saw that sentence and and the question was just is this correct or not i think i I think I could have gotten it right because mm-hmm. of that A-B, mm-hmm. right? I, I mean, I, I, I pretty much know that A-B means 
not or away from or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think I probably could have gotten that right, but that's the only reason. I, I don't, yeah, I, I do not use those words. Nor do I. I don't think correct. I've ever used either of them in, in conversation or even in writing. I don't think so. I don't think I will. In fact, I know I won't. Speaking of words we never use, Kath, why don't you read our next never used word that I, also yeah, see, appears on our SAT list? <laughs> this is another ab word, abnegation. The word oh, is abnegation. Now, I'm just going to say at the outset, this is often confused, we found, with abdicate, abrogate, or abdication, abrogation, and arrogation. But the word right. is I like this abnegation. word. I like wow. saying this word, abnegation. Do you have any idea, Fletcher, what does this word mean? I'll give you a hint. It, it, it starts with yeah, ab. It, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it seems, okay, so ab, moving away from, negate means to, I mean, negate, uh, to, to make it not happen, to erase it, right? Um, so I don't really know how moving away from erasing something works. Okay, uh, Fletcher, this is sort of, you, you brought up something interesting in etymology or how languages work. Latin doesn't have like a huge problem with double negatives. It doesn't, I mean, we do oh. in English. We have a fit if you have a double negative, you know, I ain't got no, whatever. But I mean, this has, in, in this sense, basically your your etymology was, was spot on, completely correct. It's moving away from negation, which sounds to us like it's kind of going backwards, back to basically saying it's okay, but it doesn't. It means basically what we all think it means. It means moving away from, it means moving away from things, refusing oneself. And it basically initially meant um, denying a doctrine or a belief. And then it became basically self-denial, like, you know, monks practicing abnegation, ascetics, you know, guys meditating for years, practicing abnegation of all material things, etc. So you were really correct with it. With the reasoning. That's as good reasoning. But you were wrong. Well, he's actually, he was right with the the basic idea. And Mm -hmm. the etymology was a little bit confusing, but, you know, that's the way things go with words. They're always confusing. One thing I want to add, I have found that abnegation, which is, as I said before, a word I just love to say, and I'm going to try to work it into my conversation more often, but it's tough um, because I'm not a self-abnegator at all. But um, I have found, because of the notion of self-denial, I did see uh, cases where it was used to kind of mean like flagellation in effect, which it does not. It, I mean, it is asceticism, but it's not. I'm seeing it broadening, if you will. Are, are, oh, are you guys? That's interesting. What you're saying, and you're right. What you're saying, basically, abnegation is 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 renunciation. It's not active. It's passive. It's not doing. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it's flagellation is active. You're hitting yourself. You're doing, which is a Yeah, you're, you're hitting yourself with a board or whatever, wearing a hair shirt. Or whatever. Yeah. Kind of like positive reinforcement versus negative reinforcement, right? Positive is adding something. Negative reinforcement is taking things away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah actually. And so ab- abnegation, yeah, abnegation doesn't involve the positive reinforcement. No. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, the next one's another one of these words that are, I have to say, the SATs, I'm, I'm glad they're long gone. This word is, we're going to give you two sentences. Tell us which of the sentences is correct. Some parents completely abrogate responsibility for parenting to schools. Now, the second sentence, you should not abrogate to yourself the whole honor of the president's visit. Parents abrogating responsibility, abrogating to yourself the honor. I don't understand the second one at all. Good. I mean, I don't even understand what it's you supposed shouldn't. to be saying. You, you shouldn't. Okay. <laughs> It's wrong. You you did it completely correctly. Abrogate is to revoke formally. 
So some parents completely abrogate responsibility for parenting to schools. They're giving up their responsibility and telling the schools to parent their kids, not them. That's completely correct. Mm. The second one obviously then doesn't, it's a bad sentence anyway. I don't know where we got this I know. This I don't know from. where we got that sentence. I'm looking at it like, it. what the hell? I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. It's like, yeah, I'm huh? just looking it up. It was actually from, it was from a newspaper article. Oh boy. But anyway, the point is that doesn't make any sense because that's, they're not, it should be in this case, I think arrogate, which I really hate. That That is a word I hate. What does arrogate mean? It means to take on the responsibility. Oh, but no, but wait a second. I have to, I, I want to add to that. It's to claim something, but usually without justification, which is yes, the key that's thing right. with arrogate. It's not, that's right. It's not just that's like right. doing it. You're claiming something. It's you're taking it on. Yes. Because the famous sentence was King Henry VIII calling a parliament proposed to arrogate written to himself, eh? <laughs> this was mm-hmm. how it's spelled, the title of head of the Church of England. So, I mean, it's, 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 you're doing it, but you're kind of shouldn't be. Usually doing it. it's what, usually it's without justification. That's correct. Yeah. Not to be confused with irrigating himself. Right. That- <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Thank you, Fletcher. You got the pun point of the night. I'm so ashamed. You should be. But again, these are two words. I don't think I've ever used arrogate in my life. I have on very rare occasion, I think, used abrogate. But I don't think I've really, really used it. I might have used it once in a paper or something when Mm -hmm. I was in college. What about you guys? Are, Are these words that you use? I don't recall you. I certainly have not used arrogate, but abrogate. I could, I could see myself using that at some point. I mean, I, you know, I can probably count on two fingers how many mm-hmm. times I might have used it in mm-hmm. my life. I Just, can see using it when I'm know. trying to be impressive, arguing something like philosophy to someone, but I can't see using it. I don't see using it in general conversation at all. Yeah, I, I to me, oh, no, 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 no. To no. me, abrogate is one of those fancy words you trot out when, yeah, like you said, Ross, when you're trying yeah. to be impressive, you go, I've never abrogate. <laughs> you know what I mean? But again, but the one clue I think that we really need to think about if you're taking the SAT again, if heaven forbid we have to, is the it's the old ab and uh, ad again. And, ab, you know, abrog, I mean, we can see it, ab going Actually, no, we can't. That one I would say, yeah, you're moving away from uh, responsibility, arrogate, you're moving towards it. And, you know, that you can see the idea behind those words. It is funny, though, and I see why people used to learn Latin, and I regret that I don't know it, because it does make things easier if you think of the ab and the ad. Well, yeah, because the, the, it was ad initially, wasn't it, with the arrogate, and then it became an ad. Yeah, then it, then it, then it, it melded in and the, the yeah. art took over. Yeah. But the only thing with that, though, is, I mean, I like Latin. I'm really, it's fun. I think it's a really cool language. But the one problem with all of these are if you, usually you learn language by using the words. Mm-hmm. So if I can, like, figure out or deduce the, the, the meaning, but without, like, if I have to struggle with ab and ad, it's great to take a test with. But it's not particularly useful when you're using the word, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, abstruse. Let's go to another <laughs> one here. Now, I think our our topic is getting abstruse. Would you agree, Fletcher, or not? Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> Good. You had a 50-50 chance there, you know? Exactly. <laughs> abstruse means simply difficult to understand. Okay. So it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And mm -hmm. this one is actually, one of the reasons it's complicated for people is people often confuse it with obtuse, <laughs> which is not at all the same because you've got truce, ab, ab, we got the ab again, and the struce, which uh -huh. comes from concealing or hiding or pushing away. Mm -hmm. So it's, it ends up being difficult. But obtuse just means not pointed initially, which, which then mm -hmm. melded, you know, just grew into like being not sharp. And then it was not sharp in terms of intellect. It's like, you know, he's not very sharp. Unlike you, Fletcher, we're not speaking of you. You're not, you are far from obtuse. So far, it seems like I know how to flip a coin. <laughs> right <answer>. <laughs> well, but you must have done great on your SATs. I mean, you're hitting like, you know, <laughs> one after, I want to go, I want to go to Las Vegas with Fletcher, actually. <laughs> okay, we're going to another, this one here, another two sentences. We're going to see what you, I, I'm sure you're going to get this correct. Uh, I acceded to his claims without going to court. Okay, and the next sentence is, my best friend and I always accede with each other, which is correct and which is incorrect. Are you saying, you're saying accede, is this also accede? Accede, yes, A-C-C-E-D-E. -E. Okay, that's one of those double C words was, we've talked about Yeah, because I, I go back to flaccid, which I still can't say right. properly. I, I, right. say, I still say flaccid, I mean, if I were going to say it. I think most people say flaccid. Well, but flaccid right. sounds it's, more like it. Fletcher is right, though. It is accede. I, I always just automatically accede, but it's accede. Yeah, a lot of people, I mean, yeah, it has been a very long time now that we've talked about the double C thing, but mm -hmm. a lot of people do the just the S sound with two Cs. And it gets a little confusing for me sometimes because I'm used, to, you know, I, I, I usually say the k -s sound. Anyway, uh, because of all that, I've forgotten what you said. Can, so can you read me the sentences again? Okay. Can, um, okay. I acceded, um, I acceded to his claims without uh, going to court. My best friend and I always accede with each other. Oh, it's it's the the first one. Yes, it's correct. Sort of accepting without maybe explicitly agreeing. Yes, something like along those lines. I yeah. Well, it's yielding to someone else's uh, opinions or wishes. Right. It's like okay, okay. Uh, you know, I'll I'll go along with it. But yeah, I guess kind of like acquiescing. Maybe is it like acquiescing? Yeah. Sort of just yeah. Okay. I, I go along with it. I think is a great way to say it. Exactly. And to be annoying and Latinate, which I am not because I don't know Latin personally. I just want to point out that that the in this case the prefix ac is the same ad is <laughs> the same as the ad and adjure and adhere. It turned into c because of sa of, of of the sibilance and how it sounded more mellifluous. Okay. Okay. We're going to end with a. Word that Kathy and I both like. We would never have used it. And I think you'll like the word. I don't think you've ever used it either. Okay, this, the word is adumbrate. Okay, the project's objectives were adumbrated in the report. I have never heard this word in my life. I've got to say, was, go I on. Love the word. I, haven't either, I love the word, though. <laughs> he was totally adumbrated about failing the test. Adam Braided. Is it A-D-U-M? A-D-U-M-B-R-A-T-E-D. Okay. And I like this because it's related to the word. There's a word that we fairly frequently use. It's, it's something that I use when it's raining. I call it an umbrella. Oh. Um, it, the, the second one sounds weird, but but I have no, I have no reason to, um, to think either one is correct or incorrect because as is the case with at least Kathy, uh, I have no idea what this means. I've never heard it in my life, all. ever. Okay, 
basically, I, I mean, interestingly enough, we found this, the project's objectives were adumbrated in the report actually comes, I think, from some business report. And what it means is adumbrate means to outline or to sketch. And it comes from the Latin word adumbrare and umbra. If we recall, I think a while back, we had that as a shadow. With penumbra. Uh -huh. Penumbra, we had that. No, I'm saying, but it comes from the Latin umbra. So therefore, it basically, you're making kind of an outline of it, sketching it in, in an outline, which I thought was really sort of a cool word. It's actually word. a really cool word. I think that we should yeah. all use this a lot. I like it. I've never used it. I don't... I. Don't, not that really sure. I think I might be able to deduce it from Umbra, but I don't think I would have ever thought to use I don't it. But I know love that it. I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't mm -hmm. have. I wouldn't have figured it out. I really. But I'm going to start Adam braiding everything pretty soon. So anyway. The problem is, is when you look at it in print, you see the dumb in the middle of it, and I think that's why you sort of go like, ah, forget it. You know what I mean? <laughs> a, a dumb rate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. I can't help it. This episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. You're Saying It Wrong is a worldwide affair. Kathy Petrus records from her home in Granada, Spain. Ross Petrus from his home in Toronto, Ontario in Canada. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod. Email them at kandrpetrus at gmail.com or email me at powell at kmuw.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or better yet, a review on your podcast platform of choice. Kathy and Ross's book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press. You can find that and much of their other work pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And, of course, Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S dot com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.